evening and welcome to Three Valleys Radio. It's time for another edition of Football Bloody Hell. On the show tonight, traffic permitting, we're hoping to have Steve Rutter. Ricky Hyatt Paul Thorpe Dave Hilda Pryor I'll be bringing up the rear Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Football Bloody Hell. But, um, we first of all, we'd better... Uh, hang on a minute. Who's 2-0? Who's Somebody's 2-0. Everton. Everton. Oh, Everton are 2-0 up. You heard it first on Three Valleys Radio. Uh, right. Anyway, I'd just like to welcome my guest. First of all, Mr. Steve Rutter. Good evening, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Um... Paul Thorpe's here. What up, Thorpey? Yeah, uh, good evening as always. Yeah. And of course, Rick's here, reveling in the fact that uh, Everson are winning 2-0, I think. Enjoying it for the moment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, um, it's been a quite a hectic sort of week from when we last were on. And of course, although we've, we've hammered this for five weeks now, but it won't go away. And that, of course, is the situation at Yeovil Town. Now, since last week's programme, we've obviously all heard that the um, the deal with uh, Matt Ugler and SU Glovers has been withdrawn, pulled, call it what you like, but it's not going to happen by the sound of things. Um, Paul, what do you think about that? Uh, actually, I've got to be honest with you, uh, I've been quite vocal on this. I'm actually ecstatic, to be honest with you, because I... Um, I felt that their intentions weren't right for the club. I don't think they were professional enough. Um, I th and bit, without being really cruel to them, I thought they were out of their depth. You know, he's a 29-year-old. I think that he's um, got plenty of his life to, to, to live elsewhere. And I think that running a football club, even at this level, I think was just out of his depth. And um, I, I, I'm, at, uh, I'm, I'm sort of like pleased. You know, I don't want to be saying these type of things because obviously, like the, the guy's got life to live, and but I think for the football club and for, certainly for the fans, they deserve better. And I don't think that they've been dealt a very good card of late. And I think the running of the football club has been, to be honest, with you, I'll, I'll, I'll say it now, nothing but disgraceful. And um, I think it needs to be. Um, we need somebody in there now who's going to take this club forward. They've got to build it up right from scratch again, I believe. I think it's that poor. And uh, they also need to own the whole club, not just part of the land. So whatever deal needs to be done, hopefully it can be achieved. And so that this football club of ours can move forward. Well, it is certainly a complicated deal by the sound of it. Not that I've got any um, insight into what's involved, but I mean, quite clearly with a load of land that uh, a football club, a football stadium, it's all a bit complicated, isn't it? But... Steve, well, what he's what he's doing? Sorry, just jumping in quickly. What he's doing is splitting the assets, you know, yeah. and uh, trying to make it. Well, you know, he's been told, and, and other people in the past have been told, and our original owners, who, who is heavily into the building game, tried to get this uh, stuff built on there before, and they were told in no certain terms it's not going to happen. So if they can't get it done, I, I don't see what 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 uh, uh, Scott Priestall's trying to achieve. When he knows that realistically it can't it can't be achieved, so um, I think he just needs to back down, move on, and sell the whole club, so that the uh, land can be maybe used for for better use as regards to like more training pitches, and be being for the football club alone. Mm. Steve, what do you feel about it? You've been involved in football for many years, and you know you must have come across situations like this. But I I wonder whether they were quite as bad as this one. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, when you say situations like this, I've, I've been in, in places when, like when I was at Yeovil when the club were bankrupt, um, but at least everybody seemed to be pulling in the same direction at the time. But, you know, whether it was the board of directors, the players, the fans, there were bucket collections and all sorts, but everybody wanted the best interests of the club to be looked after and were trying to do what they thought was best for the club at the time. And, and the problem you've got now is I think that you know, Scott Priestnell, and, and I don't know about Matt Uglu and um, Paul Saki, but they seem to see the football club as a trinket, as a, as a way to make money, um, raise their profile. And I don't really think they give two hoots about the, the club and the history of the club and you know what it means to the people of Yeovil. So it's really, really worrying times because you're, you're end of a season, you've been relegated. Paul and me were talking yesterday about the clubs that are in the league next year, Truro, Weymouth, Western Supermare, Taunton, Bath, you know, Chippenham. Some fantastic games. And Yeovil could be at the bottom of the pile of all of them if they don't sort out the ownership situation and start sorting out the playing side of it in the very near future. Because the summer break comes and goes in the blink of an eye. And Yeovil will not be ready for the season. And mm. I think the future of the club is probably in more doubt now than it's ever been. Right. Mm, I agree. I can't say much different to that. The boys have pretty well summed it up. I mean, I don't know if Mr. Priestnell is uh, in a competition with the Glazers to see who could be the worst owner of a football club in the world, but uh, pretty neck and neck at the moment. They're both mm. shambles and ought to be thoroughly embarrassed and ashamed of themselves. And yeah, it's a, it's a terrible situation. I mean, the whole, again, without wanting to over egg the situation about. Uh, SU Glovers, they never really seemed like a professional outfit that was serious about taking over a, a football club at any point, really, because the, the way Matt, I mean, I'm sure he's a lovely chap, but he needs to learn how social media works if he's going to get involved with another with another club in the future. Not that that's going to be Yeovil's problem, and it's 3-0 to Everton now. So, uh, yeah, that'll be... Uh, news that's 48 hours old by the time we go out but there you go mm. well no but it's, it's it's a worrying situation i mean i've seen that there's a, a a meeting that's open to everybody at the johnson park uh on thursday night at seven o'clock where everybody's welcome uh, for the rank and file the genuine yoga town supporters to go along and have a chat about it and you know i don't know quite what will come out of that but it's certainly there'll be an awful lot of um, frustration, I suspect, being voiced, and uh, but I mean, you know, will it? Is it is it possible to drag it back now? Because it's it's a difficult situation. The wages weren't paid on time. All right, they were paid eventually, three four days late, I think, um, which is not exactly a good sign, is it? If you're uh, on the payroll, I mean, there's people there that are that are working there, uh, friends of mine, people I worked with. And they're still there. I mean, what are they thinking now? Are they going to have a job at the well, end of this? There's month? no income, is there? No. The next few months, there's no money coming in at all. There's no gate money, no gate receipts or anything. So it's a bit of a a worrying situation for everyone in everyone involved. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, why are they having a meeting about the future of the football club that they hope to open up to as many people as possible? Hmm. And they're not holding it at the football club, which has probably got the biggest capacity. <laughs> and they're holding it at Johnson Park. Yeah, it just is lunacy. Yeah, you know? well, just hold it at the football club. Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know why. Why? I'm sure, but um, certainly uh, that's that's the chosen venue. I gather. I mean, maybe the football club didn't wouldn't didn't want it or wouldn't have it under the circumstances with the political situation that it is. Is it an official yeah. meeting from the football club? No, it's just a, a supporters. Uh -huh. um, yeah. You know, well, driven. Oh, that's why then. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, that puts I a bit of flower. And the thing that also you've got to think what what can they achieve by this meeting um you know if there's nobody going to be there from the football club really it's just a discussion like it's down the pub just amongst yeah. the fans it's yeah not there's no weight behind call, it, there's no weight behind it and you've got to say well you know listen if there is going to be some weight behind it get somebody from the football club which really realistically is who Who's on the board of directors who could actually answer these questions with the knowledge via via Scott Priestnell that can actually clarify to these fans what's going to happen to their football club? You know, and I just think that well, listen, let's not let's not waste time really doing a meeting now until 
either Scott Priestall's going to be there or somebody from the football club who's got the power to actually, uh, you know, uh, give the right information and the truth as well. It's not really giving, no point in spinning yarns. Mm. And the truth, you know, uh, to what's going to happen to the football club. And it needs to be, like Steve said, and he's bang on. It, these players are going to be moving around soon. And you're going to be left with, you know, maybe four or five players are on contract. How many of those players are actually fully fit? They may have got injuries. We know, you know, that Josh has got an injury. That can actually perform to the levels that are going to be to the point where we need to be either pushing for promotion or, you know, or getting in the playoffs to push for promotion because, you know, you can't languish in the depths of um, the Conference South um, without a damn good squad with the likes of what all those clubs that Steve's come out with. Mm. They're all far more prepared than what Yeovil Town are at the moment. Not you know, they're having a decent. They're, they're absolutely so far ahead of Yeovil mm. Town at the moment. It makes me worried that even next year, this we we need to survive. Yeah, but well, I mean, you mentioned about Yeovil. Sorry, sorry, Steve, go, go for it. I was going to say that the way, the way they're going, they might not even start the season. Because no. how do you, as a manager, if there is a manager left, if Mark Cooper's still there? How do you get players unless you get a confirmed budget? How, how are you going to get a confirmed budget unless you can get some communication with somebody who owns the club? Who owns the club? <clears throat> Is he interested in coming down and discussing budgets? Because yeah. so many players have a contract, but if you don't have a budget as a manager, you can't even talk to players about, well, this is what I can offer you. Mm. So he'll just be sitting there twiddling his thumbs. You'll, you'll end up you know, a week before the season starts and they'll be scrabbling around for free transfers and just trying to put a squad together to fulfil the fixtures if... He, by that time, he's confirmed that he's going to pay the players. Yeah. yeah. Well, I gather that they, the 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 organisers of this meeting, whoever the organisers are, I think they're a combination of the Glovers Trust and any other sort of, um, what shall I say, self-motivated supporter. Uh, they have tried to get Martin Starnes and Stuart Robbins to come. The last I saw on, on um, Facebook, I think they were hoping they were going to come. But whether or not they can speak with any real certainty about Yeovil Town, I don't know. I mean, you know, from what I can gather, they're, they're, they are, well, uh, obviously Stuart Roberts is a director, but Martin Starnes isn't. So I don't know whether they can speak with any, any, um, you know. Well, I'm, I'm also led to believe that if it wasn't for those two people, we wouldn't even have a football club. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I think those two people have got the, the one, the few two people have actually come out with any credit at all from this season. <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, uh, from from the board because you know I, I am really led to believe by a, by a decent source that you know it, it literally would not be there if it wasn't for those two people. Mm. No, Marty Stones is a, a very uh, eloquent, and he's he's been a chief executive at Plymouth, at Bristol Rovers as well. So he certainly knows football inside out. Yeah, so so he's he you know he's he's a good guy. I'm certainly you know, I, I don't know. He obviously wants the club to to continue. But I mean, what about the poor people? You know, what about the safety officer and what about the, the, the media man and all those people? The ticket office guy. I mean, they they yeah. all got a job and they've got families and what have you. How are they going to survive if suddenly, you know, have to find another job? It's 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 really poor. I think the way it's it's being handled. But... Yeah, like like Steve said, you know, before when when Steve was manager and uh, um, you know when when at least they were all pulling in the same direction and. Uh, they had the, the sole heart of the football club all in their hearts. And um, at the moment, it doesn't seem like that. It seems to be like, oh, it's a, it's a good, you know, a commodity to be able to use to try and make me a millionaire. And, uh, mm. you know, it, it just goes to prove that, that, that it doesn't come that easily. And if you had the money in the first place, Scott, then you should have put your money where your mouth is. But you didn't. You know, the loan's gone against the club. And the only thing that's suffering is the fans of the football club. Well, if that's the way it is, then let's hopefully the next owners, if there is ever is an owner, as like Steve said, you know, we might not even start the season at this rate, and um, it'll be nothing but tragic. Well, there was a, um, a Glover cast uh, that the, the guys have done, uh, which I listened to yesterday, and Stephen Allenson was on it, who used to be a director at Yelvil Town, who was a solicitor who's very much into... Um, um, business termination, shall we call them, and he intimated that there is another person or persons 
lurking in the background, possibly, you know, willing to have a go for for the club. But I, that was all he said. I mean, it was, it was very much well. I understand, you know, one of those sort of remarks. So, don't know whether there is somebody. I mean, I know that um, Martin Hellier has certainly made every effort to try and get hold of Friesnilder to put an offer in, but he just can't get hold of the man. Which it's just no. absolutely and, that, and that's the problem, you know. We're, we're we're led to believe he's in Turkey, you know, but the but he, he doesn't seem to want to answer the phone. Well, and, he's um, just, just got married apparently, so it said on social media. So I suppose he's obviously busy doing other things. Mm. Well, good luck to him. But we, he needs it, 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 the, the problem's never going to go away, is it? And well, um, no. I mean, the only thing is, is as Sorry, sorry, Paul. I was going to say the only problem okay. he's got now, of course, is that the value of the club is going down. It's a bit like stocks and shares, isn't it? The club's yeah. probably at its bottom in the market now, so he's not going to get permission to redevelop the land around the club. As I understand it, from talking to John Pride previously when I was there, the only way they can get permission to redevelop the land is to replace it with an equivalent amount of green space for sporting activities within the parish of Tintnell. So they've got some land that they were going to turn into a training ground, but Tintnell Parish Council won't give them permission to build on it and turn it into changing facilities, etc. So they can't replace land for land because they can't get the land. And as a result of that, we'll never be able to change the covenant on that green space around the ground being kept as green space. So it doesn't matter how long he keeps hold of the club, he's just going to end up with a piece of land that he can't rent it with and a football stadium that's empty because there's no club in it. So at some point in time, you'd think you'd look at it and say, hang on, I've really I've, you know, bought a puppy, I'm going to have to sell it and cut my losses. Yeah. But by that time, the football club as we know it might be done and dusted and they might be starting in the Western League Division 1 in five years' time, re, you know, restarting. I, I don't know the ins and outs specifically, but that was but, what, I, you know, what I understood when I was there with John Fry. You mentioned that, but um, on the other hand, that doesn't quite tie in with this reported 250 houses that planning permission has been either applied for or has been granted. I'm not sure which it was. It's been rejected. That's what I'm saying. Been, if, if, yeah. if, they can, if they can get the permission to build the green space, replace the green space, then they can reconvert the designated usage on the land around the stadium. Hmm. But they've got to replace it with green space somewhere in the, in the parish. And that, that was the understanding. So unless somebody's been able to manipulate the authorities and get a change to the conditions, which is always a possibility in politics, um, that was my understanding of where they were. So unless somebody can do that, then, you know, it's just not going to move forward anywhere. And, and Priestnell just doesn't seem to give, you know, with all, excuse my French, he doesn't seem to give a rat's ass whether the club lives or dies. Mm. But you, you mentioned another thing there. It's a question of the council. Now, I mean, apparently... Uh, uh, Priestnell has sold it to the council for 2.8 million. Now, what it is, I'm not quite sure. I, I thought he'd sold the lot, but I, I might be wrong on that. Um, but if, if he has sold the lot, why aren't they saying something? They just, I mean, it's absolutely deafening coming from the council. I, I mean, I can't believe that they're not making some sort of statement to people. Apart from anything else, they, 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 don't, they don't need point, to. They, well, they don't need to. Well, not necessarily, Paul, but what about 2.8 million pounds with the taxpayers' money? You know, I well, mean... they, they, the, the, the cost of the land to the council will only increase. If the football club dies away, you know, their assets then, they can, they, they can then put it in for housing. And then, then it's worth a damn sight more than 2.5 or 2.8 million. Yeah, I, I take your and point council there. council don't but... need to do diddly squit. They've got an asset from 2.8 million that could double, treble, quadruple, you know, fivefold. Who knows? But surely, as as a council, as a body of people who are there to represent the interests of local people, like the the four of us and, here, and the community, I believe yeah. that you're right. They should then yeah, start they should thinking be coming about out the community and, saying, guys, and, and what know. and what the football club does for the community. You know, yeah. but um, to what point, how low that has to go, the club has to go to get them to actually speak. The know. thing with that is, morally, you're absolutely right, but you're talking about a a county council there. Yeah. It's a completely different... Yeah. Morals don't come into it, do they, Rick? I'd, I'd be horrified if they didn't think about the community. You know, and they, they certainly wouldn't get my vote for the next one. But, you know, uh, they don't need to. The guy who's, who's interested in it might not even be football-minded. Who, mm. who do we know? 
Yeah, Rick's right though, Paul, isn't it? it? It's gone from being South Somerset District Council to being a unitary authority based in Bristol. Yeah, so they yeah. have affiliation with South Somerset and Yeovil and what the football club means to Yeovil. Again, they're just councillors sitting up in an office in Bristol who don't give same two hoops. No, we've got all that. Yeah, same. We've all got all that land for two point eight million, and it's worth twenty two. Well. I think I think we've done pretty well. <laughs> yeah, Do you know, but that, that that's probably the reality of it, the politics of it. You know, the, the people up in Bristol, like, like Steve said, might not even be interested. They might already have plans for it for someone else. Yeah. Well, they're only going to say, like, well, you've already got Taunton, who are in the, that league. You've already got Western yeah. Supermare. You've already got yeah. Bath. You've already got three yeah. Somerset sides in that league. Why are we yeah. that bothered if it goes to the wall? Mm. But that is that is the real danger, isn't it? That if, if they don't sort out yeah. the ownership, get somebody to take over who wants to invest time and effort and actually loves a football club for the entity that it is, a football club, then there's a real, real danger, more so probably than any time in, in previous history, including the time that I was there, that the club will just go out of business. Mm. Well, I mean, you can you could almost see a, a, an FC United situation developing if the if there was enough supporters and they've determined to so they could, I suppose, you know, start a, a, a new club altogether, which I know it would you know stop way down the leagues. But I mean, that might be a, a potential possibility. Uh, you know, it would take an awful lot of organisers, I'm sure, but it's, it's you know, it's happened that, before. That, that, that's, that's, that's possibly what may, you know, in the future, listen, I hope it doesn't happen, but the future may happen. You know, there may be like, uh, you know, like shares, money put in the pot. They then well, start Wimbledon, with, and, and then, haven't they? Barry has done it. Yeah, yeah. Rent, the, there's a precedent for it. Rent the ground and... Isn't it quite sad that we're even discussing this as as a potential possibility for Yeovil Town? That I know everyone bangs on about it. Ten years ago in the Championship, I mean, it just yeah. it beggars belief that mm. this could be allowed yeah. to happen. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's unfortunately the, re the reality. We're not we're not we're not yeah. sort of like uh, trying to create a picture. It's just the reality at the moment that the club is in that bad a situation that um, yeah. you know possibly could happen. Well, if anybody's listening from the council or from the football club, anybody that can show some some loyalty and show some light um, on on the subject, please come forward and tell everybody because you know it's just an impossible situation at the moment, and it's just dragging on. I mean, it's it's a week now since they pulled out the deal. And what's happened? Nothing. Yeah, no, nothing. You know, I, I, listen. A great podcast would be if can you get in touch with a with somebody who knows anything from the council to spread light to, light light on it. You know, yeah. can we get a director on the show that spread light on it? And this that would be, you know, instead of like, you know, us just debating what what possibly could happen. You know, um, you get some clarity and, and get some real people on here who actually know the answers and say, you know, this is this is the way forward because. Um, you know, I'm certainly not intelligent enough to uh, to try and fathom that one out. Um, and certainly not business-minded to fathom it out either. I'm sure I could get Martin Hellier to come on, for one. And if we could get somebody from the council to come on as well, then we, we, we'd be halfway there, um, which I wouldn't try. Well, we need somebody from the football club as well, like, you know. Well, so I'm sure somebody Martin, like Martin's, yeah, I'm Martin sure Martin Stones or, or, or Stuart Robbins. Yeah, yeah. And then that, that would be a good foursome to actually, like... Uh, give light on to all the listeners yeah well i will make some in inquiries tomorrow and see if i can get them to uh, to come on so uh well it's uh <clears throat> we've spent 24 minutes on that so we better move on a little <laughs> bit um but i mean another 24 minutes we haven't got anywhere so <laughs> that's the disappointing part right first and foremost um the penalty yesterday or the not the penalty that wasn't given against united um what what do you guys think, Lindelof? Did you see it? The penalty all day long. Yeah, I think it's a penalty, penalty all day long. Debate, I, <laughs> I think they definitely got away with one. Yeah. And for not for the for them to not allow or, or not send into the screen. Yeah. Um, I, I just I, again, it's human error again, isn't it? It's VAR. It's only as good as the people using it. And um, I think that if his arm had stayed there, but it clearly went. To the to the side, which yeah. looked like it was a movement towards the ball, you know, and they said it didn't touch. It touched his knee first. It touched. It, it was so close to the hand. His movement of his arm was definitely going to make contact there. 
So that means an absolute stonewall penalty. And ironically, earlier in the day, VAR actually in the Arsenal against the Saudis game used uh, was used properly and uh, went in, in Arsenal's favour and uh, denied Newcastle a penalty uh, because it hit his thigh first. Although that mm. doesn't seem to matter in Europe, as Real Sociedad will tell you. No, yeah, but again, just... again it, it, it was a clear and obvious mistake being rectified. That's what it's there for. But then yeah. not to send him because he's the man. The thing about it's not the people in behind VAR. They're not in charge. He's the man in charge of the game. He turns up, and as soon as he turns up, he's in charge. As soon as he leaves, that's when he finishes being in charge. But the whole organisation, the whole you know, the game is everything is. You know, the referee is in charge of that. And he should be going across to the to the screen to have a look at it. But as far as I can tell, from what I've listened to, the the, the VAR ref was Stuart Atwell, I think, and I think he's been at the uh, the centre of a couple more of these situations in the past. He's, he's at he's at the centre of most of them. Yeah, so clearly he doesn't <laughs> learn his lesson, does he? I mean, I'm not no. complaining because it would have been a worse defeat defeat than it was already, and it was terrible performance anyway. I thought. Do you think, Rick? Yeah. Um... Something needs to change. The last two games, you United lose to a free Taibi goal in that game. Although, like you say, quite rightly, it should have been should have been two 0 down at the time. And um, in the game before against Brighton, the situation where Brighton shouldn't have been anywhere near the goal because there wasn't a free kick leading up to it. So mm. luck and form seem to have abandoned United at just the wrong time of the wrong part of the season. But I see Ten Hag's response this time is to give everyone two days off. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Rather than have them running around the pitch. But then they've looked exhausted for the last... It's almost like since... I would say the Carabao Cup final, but certainly since the last 10 minutes of the home game against Sevilla, United have just switched off. And they've not been at the races, not looked like getting anything out of out of any of the matches. And it's just the wrong time, wrong part of the season for that mm. to happen. It is. Yeah. The only good thing is we've got three home games coming up, which uh, hopefully is going to get us out of trouble, but I don't know. But, Steve, have you, have you been back long enough to see... Eddie? I mean, how long have you been back from Saudi? Um, I got back yesterday morning. Ah, so you wouldn't have seen much of the football, did you see over is there? Is that, no, Steve, I, I, Steve, is that yeah. real Saudi or the one in the north of England? <laughs> no, <laughs> this one was, well, it, well, it was sunny, so it, it, could, it must have been the real one. <laughs> sand out from in between his toes so don't worry yeah yeah no I did, I did see the goal obviously there's a lot of focus on De Gea and the goal isn't there oh, for, for God, the West yeah. goal yeah. And, he, and, he, and he has had a bit of a mare to be fair mm. um, a bit of a mare it, well it's funny because if you watch it from behind the goal he, he, he lifts his right foot off the floor and he goes to push off with his left foot and the ground gives way under his foot. Yeah. yeah. So he doesn't get any purchase to his side, which means his hand doesn't cover the distance to quite the same he degree. He wasn't set at any point, was it? It wasn't actually... Yeah. He, he actually drops it. If you watch it from behind the goal, because there's a really good video of it, yeah. and he drops his body weight, and as he pushes his left foot into the floor, and he gets his right leg out of the way so he can go flat and fast, and as he puts his left foot in, the ground disappears. And it's like when... Um, Beckham took the penalty, if you remember, and was it in the World Cup and his foot gave away. And it's a bit like that. So instead of pushing off to his right, he doesn't get any distance to his right at all and his hand doesn't yeah. make enough contact. So, but it still looks like a really poor goal to concede. But mm. the penalty thing, what you were saying, Rick, is when we had a, a pre-season lecture from the referees, mm -hmm. we were told that if the ball deflects off a different part of your body onto your hand, it's not a penalty. Yeah. In, in any way, shape or form. So if, yeah. I, I didn't see the one with Lindelof, so if they say it's touched his thigh before it's touched his hand, then it's not a penalty. No matter what he does with his hand, it's even not a if he's Even if he moves his hand towards the ball after yeah, no, no, because if, yeah. in the art of moving, your body's in constant yeah. flow. So if it, if it hits a different part of your body, goes onto your hand, hits your face, onto your hand, thigh, onto your hand, foot, onto your hand, it's such close proximity, it's not considered to be a penalty. And that's what they're told. But I've seen it happen where it does deflect off onto the hand and the referee gives a penalty. Well, it, happened, it happened in the and Europa is, League, United at home. This is the problem. One bloke doing VAR will see it deflect off his knee and say, you better go and check that, which then puts in the referee's mind a doubt about his first decision. And what, 99.9% .9 of the time they go across and check the video, yeah. they come back and change the decision. Yeah. Because they, they haven't got the guts to stand up and say, what are you talking about? It's touched his thigh first. That's not a penalty. And just get on with it. But they don't seem to have the confidence in themselves. And like Paul said, they should be in charge. 
and the purpose of VAR is for clear and obvious errors. That's all they should be interfering on. But there's far too much now, and, and we keep talking even about if it's not Even if it's not errors, if it confirms the referee's decision, then that's more power to the referee, isn't it, surely? Yeah, but if they, if it does, though, Vic, they don't need to say anything, do they? Just say nothing yeah, and let the referee get on with it. Yeah, of course you know, why, why call him across and say, come and have a look at this? You're absolutely right. It was a penalty. That'd be pointless well and waste time. Yeah. But if well, you're going to call him uh, across, it better be for I'm, a real, genuine and obvious error. Else what's, yeah. you know, just leave him alone and let him get on with it. I've actually got, got the picture here. I've actually got the picture. And if anyone can tell me it's come off his thigh, when it's halfway up his body, then I'll be very surprised. I don't, I don't <laughs> think it did. I think that's clutching at straws to say that. Yeah, first I think it's, yeah, I mean, they've, they've sort of said it's come off his leg to, to sort of jet. To clarify what they're saying, but it's definitely give him a get out after the. It's nowhere, nowhere near his thigh, nowhere near his thigh. But it's it's all about interpretation. You could argue, and I'm going to argue it because I'm desperate (laughs) to see United win. Not going to change anything, anything. No, no, I know it's not going to change anything. But you you know, you I got the impression he was trying to move his hand out the way, not to touch the ball. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, as we say, it's it's, it was. Amy, there's one here on Sky Sports Ref Watch, and it even says there that it, that it was a handball. Yeah, well, it, it was. It was. It was a handball by, by my good friend Dermot Gallagher. Yeah. Oh, Alan Shearer got funny with him, didn't he, yesterday or something? So I'm told. I didn't see yeah, it. But, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> he's actually said like, you know, it is it is a absolute stonewall penalty as far as he's well, concerned. <laughs> listen, I don't know if this helps, but Alexander Seferin, who's the president of UEFA, they had a conference a couple about a week ago, ten days ago, and they had twenty senior football luminaries. So Gareth Southgate went, Zinedine Zidane, Thierry Henry, I think, was involved. The statement at the end of it was, this was from Seferin, I don't know what handball is anymore, none of us do. That's the yeah. actual quote from the president or whatever he is of, of UEFA, or I think it's UEFA, yeah. I don't know what handball is anymore, none of us do. Because in the meeting, they showed him some video clips and said, which of these is handball? And they said in nearly every single one, half the coaches were saying yes, half of them were saying no. And they yeah. said, that's the confusion that's been caused by the rules. And the way and usually, usually doesn't that depend whether you're the attacking side or the defending side? But they shouldn't matter. Well, it, no, it, it shouldn't matter. Does, but actually, in, in this situation, they're all sitting there looking at neutral clips that don't affect their right. teams. And they're saying, mm. we have not got a clue what you're talking We don't know which of these is a handball and which isn't. Because one week the referee gives it, the next week he doesn't. Which is offside, we don't know. I think he did it on a few things. But that was his quote. I don't know what handball is. None of us do. But uh, as you see, say, in, you, in, you, in, you in, you see, in the old days, it was dead simple. You had the intent to handle exactly. the ball. Yeah. So that, that, that clarified everything. Say for like the Luke Shaw. Now, I don't know why his arm was up there, but his yeah. arm moved the ball away from yeah. from a header, yeah. which which yeah. was, look, that, that is deemed yeah. intent to move the ball. So it's, 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 well, it's well, a handball. You, and he knew that, didn't he? Sure, he knew yeah. the handball. You say that, don't you? you say that, but intent in itself is a bit contentious, isn't it? Because... Intent is something the referee's got to interpret from somebody's behaviour because the referee yeah. can't read your mind. You know, it's like when they say, "Remember, you there's a penalty years ago at Bramall Lane where Stephen Gerrard went through and the Sheffield United defender slid in to tackle him, and Gerrard jumped over him and fell over as he landed, and the referee gave a penalty. And I don't know if you can remember it. He never touched him, but the referee said his intention was to bring him down, and as a result of that, he had to jump. So, yeah. and, and my argument, so my argument would be. So you think in the penalty box, the defender actually wanted to kick him rather than play the ball, knowing that if he kicks him, he gives away a penalty. So that's what you're implying, that he deliberately didn't try to play the ball, he tried to kick him. Yeah. So intent is really difficult in itself. So you know yourself from playing. You jump, you get the slightest nudge, and you're off balance. What happens to your arms? Mm. Your arms go all over the place because they try to counterbalance and you're on the tips. So sometimes you see that, your arm's up there, not because you're trying to handle the ball, but just because he said, didn't he? You got to push in the back, and yeah. as soon as you're in the end, somebody shoves you in the back. Your arms. So I'm not saying it wasn't a penalty, but actually, if the referee says it's a penalty, just give him a penalty and get on with it. But it's yeah. ironic, isn't it? We're talking here now, and I wouldn't say it's getting heated, but you know, we're getting quite sort of worked up about it, and, and we're just discussing it now. When you put into the whole element the fact that it's my team and I want you know I want them to win and all the rest of it, that sort of passion that comes into it as well. I mean, is it any wonder that that the uh, when they, when they actually go to decide it, 
it's not going to necessarily line up with the players' concern because they haven't got the passion, have they? They're just looking at a picture. So, but I think I think one of the frustrations for all footballers and, and managers and coaches, I mean, you know, is is that they they've made it so complex yeah. of what mm. is and isn't a, a handball yeah. that that, yeah. that that nobody bloody well understands it. You know, and the, in, that brings in the, the inconsistency into referee decisions, and and that and when there's so much money involved, and I said to you, I've said this before, I was a real, I believe there needs to be a, a VAR because there's so much money involved. You've got to get decisions right. Unfortunately, yet again, the authorities have, have messed it up. You know, and, and but but they've made it now so complex that nobody bloody well knows what 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 is and what isn't. As Steve said. Rightfully, from the absolutely the highest part of football, they haven't got a clue what is a penalty and isn't. And it's a damn sight. What I was saying about the intent and whatnot was, I think that it's a damn sight easier to know what was a handball. And even though there was a few wrongs, you know, generally they were getting it right, and it was a damn sight easier to know what was right and what was wrong than than try and work out through all these rules that they now put in place what's happening. Mm. No, it's, it's it's ironic, really. I mean, football's a simple enough game and everybody seems to have to try and make it as complicated as ever. Yeah, you know, that's I the totally point. agree. That's a pity. Right, well, next question, gentlemen, is can Liverpool catch Man United? No, move on. <laughs> <laughs> well, certainly certainly the result uh, against West Ham. Listen, it is in your, your favour. It's yeah. yours to lose. And uh, all we've got to do is try and keep on this uh, winning run. I was actually at the Liverpool game, where I think they should have scored by a couple more, uh, won by a couple more, sorry. But um, a win's a win against um, a decent Brentford side who really did play very well, I thought. Um, so pleased with the three points and uh, certainly pleased with the, I've got to say, fantastic performance by, by West Ham. Where has that team been the whole season? Because... Uh... If they'd have played like that for most of the season, then um, they certainly wouldn't be nowhere near uh, the bottom of the table. They were magnificent. And I think that Rice has been uh, playing for his first club in, 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 you know, tremendously well. As, and um, I think he now deserves the applaudits from uh, the, the, their club and, and moving on to bigger things. But as, as a United supporter, I always hate play in West Ham, although the majority of times we do beat them, but they always prove to be a difficult opponent for my yeah, book. Every absolutely. time I look back at it, they're always, they're just difficult. You get some teams that you, they, they roll, they know where they are, they know it's their duty to roll over, and they do roll over, but in West Ham's, they don't seem to have read the book. I, I don't know what it is. It drives me up the bloody wall, oh, I know that. <laughs> but um, but uh, what do you think, Steve? Do you think Liverpool can catch them? I haven't actually looked at what games I've got left because I think that might that might be a big, uh, big home factor, to Wolves, to home to Bournemouth. No, sorry, away to Bournemouth. I think is that Liverpool? Yeah, no, United. no, United. Uh, yeah, go on. Home to well, let me start again. Home to Wolves, home to Fulham, away to Bournemouth. I think that's right, Nick Rick, and home to Chelsea. I think that's yeah, it. that's right. No, where's that then? How many games have got left? Four, United have got four, Liverpool have got, got four three. games now. No, the answer's no then. I've got down here, they've got Leicester away. The Liverpool have got Leicester away, then Villa. Aston Villa at home. And yeah, we're talking about Man U. We're talking about oh, Man U. Sorry, Man United. Sorry, I thought yeah, yeah, about Man U fixtures. Yeah. My yeah. apologies. My apologies. Uh, on, the, on the basis of that, Aidan, no, because I think Wolves are safe now. I think yeah. Fulham are safe. I mean, like they won 5-3 today, didn't they, against Leicester? Yeah. Fulham are safe. Bournemouth will be safe, I think, by then, given the fact that um, Forest play Southampton tonight as well. Um, so I just think that by the very nature of the fact that the teams they've got to play haven't really got a lot to play for, despite the fact that United are limping towards the finish of the season, mm -hmm. I don't think, even though Liverpool are on a good run, they will actually catch them. Well, I sincerely hope you're right. What do you think, Rick? I Yeah, I, I, I think Steve's right. I think that Liverpool against Villa on the 20th is going to be quite interesting because Villa has still got a European place to fight for. So that'll be the one. Yes. Leicester, 
the back of a spanking. They're in the last chance saloon. If they are going to avoid relegation, they're des- they should be desperate next Monday for a result against Liverpool. So the thing is, Liverpool, whatever happens, Liverpool need to pick up maximum points. If they don't pick up, it's, yeah. it's clutching at straws at the moment as it is. But if they don't pick up maximum points, then they've got no chance. Absolutely. But of course, it's, it's, it's ironic that Aston Villa have, have lost two on the trot now and they were playing really, really well. But now they've lost two on the trot. It begs the question, is this the start of a, a mini collapse? Well, they've only got three or four games left anyway. But, you know, I, I just wonder because they were playing really well. And I, I was worried about that game being a difficult one for United. And it proved to be difficult. They did win, but, you know. But, um... Yeah, well, Villa have got Spurs next. So, you know, they could get back on it against them. And it, as long as they've got something to play for at this stage of the season, then they're going to be dangerous, dangerous yeah. opponents. Yeah, yeah. But the general consensus is then that Liverpool can't or can't can. What do you think, Paul? You haven't put your neck on the line. I, I think that um, they'll just miss out. Uh, I know uh, the, the last two games are, are the big ones for Man U, the Chelsea, and then uh, away to Fulham, I believe, isn't it? But um, mm. like you say, the, the difficult difficulty is that Leicester are scrapping like mad, and they've got immense quality in their side. I just That's don't look in there. They've they so much the quality. They just haven't that's played happened. this season. This season, that's the one that has really confused me. Is Leicester, for yeah. their form, yeah. with, with the squad they've got, oh, their form falling off a cliff. Yeah, then again, Aston Villa, they could turn up. And then, you know, I think Southampton, we should be going down there and beating them, giving them a good whipping, like because uh, they'll already be down. Uh, but, um, yeah, the Leicester one is really, really surprising. And uh, that, that could be a very difficult game because... Uh, if they do turn up on the night, you know, because they are scrapping for their lives, and Villa, like I say, are, are going for that European spot, and you know, they they they, they could quite easily cause problems. The, the good thing for Liverpool is that they, Alexander Arnold, uh, you know, was absolutely magnificent in the game. Uh, in the game, as, as soon as he goes in the midfield, he, he becomes a different animal, and I don't understand why they put him at the back. What, what he's doing now, he's actually at the right back position. And then he drifts in the midfield and the other three tuck around. So it um, was really interesting watching that. That's a very and, uh, fashionable thing to do at the moment, isn't it? Because it, obviously it seems uh, to be. Pep's doing it with John Stones. Yeah, yeah, yeah it seems well. to be. So, like, but, but it was interesting. But he was still, everybody was still trying that ball over the top of him. And he is struggling with it still. So yeah. to me, I would say take him right out of the equation at the back, bring in somebody like Gomez. Pop in midfield because he becomes a different animal, and I tell you now, he could be probably one of the world's best midfield players because his his passing ability, and when he gets into those uh, advanced positions as regards to like the, the scoring, I mean he's got such a powerful shot. You know, I think that if he just concentrated a little bit on Saturday about hitting the target, I think he could have easily had two goals on on Saturday. But um, yeah, I think Liverpool just lose out. I don't think their season deserves, you know, that that. Um, Champions League spot to be honest with you I think they need to uh, regroup for next year um, have a good clear out uh, bring in players that, that uh, spend a bit of dough we've got to spend a bit and uh, see where um, the rebuilding project can can take them Well on the basis of your your last comments who's going down with Southampton and who, well we don't know who else yet I mean I still hope that Forrest get out of it but I don't know whether they will or not but um, who's going down mm. with, with Southampton then well, we know one. What, Leicester? Leeds. Oh, Leeds, yeah. yeah. I do worry for Leeds. And I do, I'll be honest with you, I do worry for Leicester. You know, it's, it's, listen, it's going to be, I, I think the rest of them are out of it now. I think Everton are winning 3 0. You know, so to me, if Leicester lose against Liverpool, they're struggling. You know, and then it's just whether Nottingham Forest can, can bang, they've got a game in hand. Um, whether they can actually, or is that a game tonight? Is it? Yeah, yeah, tonight. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, massive, massive game. You know, Southampton are gone. Um, so it, it, that 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 would push them out of it. They got the win tonight. So then, then all of a sudden, Leeds, Leeds and Leicester are struggling. Like so, um, yeah, it's all to play for. It's actually quite exciting towards the end of the season, and um, it's not done and dusted by a long shot. It's funny how this last sort of like few rounds of fixtures, after each round, somebody appears to have 
yeah. broken three of it and got out of it. I mean, Bournemouth did initially. Then West Ham have done that. If Everton hold on to this lead as we speak, three yeah. nil, then that will move them out of it, you would think. And it just leaves the four. It's funny because the difference for for Everton, to be fair, is, is Calvert-Lewin's just become fit again. Yeah. You know, and actually, he's had Not those quick. couple of games where he wasn't quite fit enough to, for match fitness. But all of a sudden, he's starting to cause a problem. And the ball's not coming back. He's holding it up. Did a great little turn for the first goal. Didn't see the other two. Um, because, uh, you know, AD's dragged us in for this chat. Like, so, <laughs> we'll watch it tonight on the highlights. But, um, you know, that, that's been a massive difference for them. And that could be the difference for them staying up. You mentioned Calvert Lewin. I was just looking to see who scored for Everton this, after, this evening. And he, he hasn't scored. He did set one up. But uh... the Corey's got a couple and the keeper's mm. banged one into his own net. Oh, is that what it was? Um, well, yeah. moving on from that one, tomorrow night is a very big night uh, for football. Because, of it course, um, Pep... Real Madrid has got a job to do. Well, exactly. Now, what's going to happen tomorrow? Because, I mean, I see that uh, apparently Colo Toure has, has, has got one of his witch doctor friends <laughs> to lift some sort of a, a curse that's been put on Pep that he won't win the Champions League. So, with that being the case, is that going to make the difference? Wow. Oh, a good one though, isn't it? It's a good story, I reckon. But uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, who do you think will win, Paul? Well, I'm hoping that women um, City win it. You know, I think they've got the quality there. Um, uh, it's it's this huge, huge game, but it's that's the, the first leg of that, isn't it? So, um, they've just got to go and do a job there. You know, the massive home game for them. Um, but the, I think they've got the quality there. You know, they've made some other teams look very, very ordinary. Now, this is another step up. You know, can their players now step up to the top? Listen, football's a crazy game. That's why we love it so much. You know, that anything could happen. You get a little bit of luck. You get something running for you. Um, it, it, but they need, they need to... I don't think you can't sit back against Real Madrid, even, you know, at uh, their stadium. You've got to go and put them on the back foot and... Uh, but, you know, with, with somebody like Haaland up front and De Bruyne has been amazing, you know, amazing uh, season he's had. So I, I, I'm, I'm going to go for Man City. Rick? Uh, I hope that the 115 club get knocked out. Mm. There's, a, there's, a, there's a treble on the line here. And uh, if you can do it honestly, that's one thing. If you can do it by breaking 115 financial regulations, then that's a different a different matter. So, uh, nah, I'm, I know it's boring, but at least I'm consistent. I just think the whole Man City thing is... You, yes, you, have, bit, you have been consistent, to be fair to you. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't deny the football they're playing is absolutely amazing and out of this world, and it's different level to anything that we've probably seen before, but they've done it fraudulently, so it's sort of... If I was a City fan... To be honest with you, if I was a City fan who knew who Colin Bell and Mick Summerby were, and then you see this going on, I'd be a little bit, feel a little bit cheated, a little bit, a little bit hollow. But, but yeah, let me give you a scenario. Do you not think that Real Madrid, Barcelona uh, have, have been doing, and all the other big clubs have been doing it for donkey's years? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, doesn't make it right, though, does it? What, what's Steve think about it? <laughs> Well, no, you, the point you just made is absolutely valid because a few years ago, Real Madrid was so much in debt that the Madrid Council bought their training ground for 100 yeah. million euros when it was worth yeah. a million. Mm. Yeah. They wrote off all the debts and give them 100 million euros because in Spain they want to beat Barcelona because that's, you know, Madrid's the Madrilenos, the, the royalty, and, you know, these are the upstarts in Barcelona. So Absolutely all the big right. clubs have cheated. All the big clubs cheat. Juventus have been done. I'm sure there'd be issues if you went through in Germany and looked through the records there. Um, we'll know about Olympiacos. Don't we? Yeah, yeah, Olympiacos <laughs> and Panathinaikos and all those. Wherever you go, Italy, Naples, with the you know the mafia involvement in the previous Scudetto wins. Real Madrid haven't got anything else to play for this year, have they? Now, because they're obviously not going to win the title in in Spain. Um, they they actually rely on the other side having a lot of the ball. That's the way they play with the midfield. They don't go in high press and everything. They they rely with Modric and and Cruz and that on the opposition having the ball. Um, so I think it will be really tight, but I think now 
think they've probably just gone over the top and you'd have to fancy Man City. Well, I would anyway. But over two legs, you'd have to fancy Man City. Well, basically, you've got, you got to remember as well the old Chelsea where Drogba was going like this at the end line, you know, he's doing his hand movement saying it's a disgrace, it's a disgrace. Basically, saying that the referee's been paid off, and unfortunately, years later, it's got proved to be true. So, yeah, yeah. But look, yeah, football's but, politics, mate. You go anywhere in the world, football's politics, and there's always somebody who's got an angle making an edge. And in 10 years' yeah. time, I'm sure there'll be stuff come up about things that are happening now that we know nothing about. And, you know, yeah. the investigative journalism that they got now, they'll find something and suddenly there'll be a massive story about one of the clubs at the moment that everybody's, you know, flagging up as a great example and they'll get slaughtered in 10, 15 years' time. But then, Steve, mm. there are things going on that we do know about now and nobody's prepared to do anything about it. So yeah, yeah. what hope yeah, is well, that? Most um, of the authorities don't ever really want to go to task with anybody, do they? But they just want to stay in power. The people involved just want to stay where they are. It's a gravy train. Yeah. yeah. Moving on, if if Real Madrid do win and put City out, does that make Pep a bad manager or not? No. No. Well, he hasn't won the Champions League with Man City. Or Bayern. Yeah. Well, no, it doesn't make him a bad manager. Huh? No, yeah, I mean, look back at um, Barcelona's wins. And look at the uh, officials that were receiving backhanders during Pep's time there. Pep's un undeniably a fantastic manager, but he's not everything he's made out to be. No. I mean, Barcelona were, by some distance, the best side in the world at the time. With yep. Iniesta, Xavi and Messi, all at the peak of their game. None you know, of whom were brought to the club. Yeah, uh, no, but uh, but they were magnificent. They, you know, just a, a breed apart at the time. I watched the Champions League final at Wembley against Man U, yes. and they ripped them to pieces. I mean, yeah. they really did. Um, they were just a level ahead. So, you know, if you've got very, very good players, eh, you, you, and Sam Allardyce said this years ago when he was at Newcastle for a short spell, he said, you know, you give me Barcelona or Real Madrid, I'll win the league every year or the cup every year. Because that's what happens. Um, so he's come to England with Man City. They've spent £1.2 billion on players. And he's going to win the title. And they are playing an exhilarating brand of football. It's fantastic. But it, it won't make him a failure if he doesn't win it, but it will always be something that people look at and say, yeah, but, mm. you know, yeah, but. So, so he should uh, win it with them. If, if Real Madrid buy Jude Bellingham, which seems extremely likely at the moment from the way the, the talk is going, I mean, do you think that could be the missing link that will turn them into a side that is as good as that Barcelona team would have been? No. No, that Barcelona team was something special. Yeah, and they and they will lose in the next year. They'll lose Benzema. They'll lose Modric. They'll lose Tony yeah. Cruz. Yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll lose. They'll lose what has given them what they are, and and they'll have to reinvent themselves again. Yeah, well, they're obviously going to they're going to try and get Haaland, aren't they? As well, I would imagine. They can't do it with with financial fair play. They'll just break all the rules and regulations like Man City have done. Yeah, they can't do it. The 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 figures that are being quoted for players now are so ludicrous that clubs really just can't go around buying. Every single player you look at, you know, somebody, Ossiman, is now £100 million because he scored a few goals in Italy. Yeah. You know, with all due respect, the defending in Italy isn't what it used to be. Mm. They haven't got any Paolo Maldini's or Claudio Gentile's floating around at the minute. So, you know, every player, and the clubs just can't do it and stay within the rules and regulations. Not if, not if people are honest. OK, well, look, you're, you're a, a football manager in the Premier League, Steve, right? Who, yeah. who are you going to buy out of these three? That Oss, Ossie Ben, you just mentioned. Um, the the French guy that plays for Eintracht Frankfurt. I can't think of his name offhand. Carlo Moani. Yeah. And Harry Kane. Which Easy one are you going to buy? In England, Harry Kane. Head and shoulders, Harry Kane. Because Harry Kane scored goals in England year after year after year. Carlo Moani's playing for Eintracht Frankfurt in the Bundesliga. And Ossiemens had a couple of seasons in Serie A in Italy. Well, with all due respect, I could probably score against Sassuolo or Empoli. Very on. Yeah, well, I'm a bit carried away. There, so <laughs> Thorpe could probably score against Sassuolo. And... No. <laughs> yeah, well, Thorpe just is... barge his way through, wouldn't he, and get the ball? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we had this conversation before, though, eh? Mm. You know, Aston Villa bought uh, Morabuana Samata from Racing Genk for 15, 20 million. And my mate's a Villa fan. And I said, you'll be lucky if he scores more than three goals all season. Yeah. He scored one goal and they sent him back. Because mm. the difference in level is immense. 
Harry Kane has done it in the Premier League year yeah. after year after year, and he's probably still got three years or so at the top. So by Harry Kane. But then again, if whoever, I want to win now, you're, you're going to you struggle to buy him because you're going to have to try and buy him out, out of uh, Daniel Levy's going to throw spanners in the works every day, isn't he? But anyway, no, was, that wasn't the point. You were, you, I just wanted to get your opinion on which one, and you've, you've answered that quite clerically. What do you think, Paul? Do you agree with him? <clears throat> yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, 100%. You know, uh, it's a, it's a no-brainer. I mean, you've you've got the, you've bought the lad from uh, is it PS was it PSV up front? Who? Uh, what's his name up front? Steve, help me out. Um, what, at Man U? Uh, yeah, the tall lad. Oh, about Veghorst. Veghorst, yeah. I mean, I'm on loan. I got him on loan from Burnley. Is it on loan? Is he? Uh, he's he's nowhere near. Yeah, yeah nowhere he's only near. on loan. Yeah, he's only on loan. And he's going. Yeah, but why? Why is he even playing him? Well, why is I, he even playing I, I, him? He's just no. It's not even close to the standard. No, uh, he can't. He couldn't eat a barn they, door from what, ten paces. I don't think. I what, just, what, what you know? What they achieving by him? What's he seeing in that he thinks I'll oh, keep him on apart for the second half? Because I can't see it at all. You know, to be fair, Martial came on and gave him a little bit, a little bit more, and uh, uh, but Martial's me, the same was, boat as far as I'm concerned. Get rid of the pair of them. I think they're both rubbish. Really you know, do. and then there's there's uh, Sabitza as well. Again, you know, he, he looks more like a porn star than he does a fucking footballer. But it's, uh, you know, uh, to your me, I've seen... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's, You're yeah, on the dark so, web again. <laughs> it's on that dark web, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's cost me a fortune. But, you know, to me, I just I can't see I can't see what he's trying to, to achieve by, by signing a player like, like himself, right? You know, and it's, um, and to me, it's, it's, it's baffling, some of his signings. I think in, don't you think English clubs just spend money? Like you look at Arsenal, Nicholas Pepe, from yeah. seventy-three yeah. million pound they pay for him. Where did he go just, at the end? I think he's still oh, right. he's yeah. alone somewhere, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, but mm. seventy-three million pound or something they paid for him. Yeah, he, he could not hit cow's ass with a banjo, and they paid mm. that much money for him. And you think English clubs are just bonkers? They'll pay money for players in leagues that are substandard, and then wonder why they don't make it in England. But because they've got so much money, they just park them and go and buy another one. Yeah, Pepe is still costing them seven point two million a year. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go, small change. That's a couple of executive boxes, isn't it? Um, Price of yeah. executive boxes at Arsenal. We've got about three minutes to go, so just quickly, did you? Um, well, I'll give you a choice. Who out of these three teams is the worst time wasters? Leeds United, Brentford, or Newcastle? Newcastle. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Newcastle. Well, it, it, you've got a you've got a stat there, have you? Yeah, well, it's on the website. Well, I'll tell so you, what, it's, so it's, it, 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 Nick's, Rick's right. It's, it's Newcastle. It's Newcastle, is it? Really? Mm-hmm. They were complaining the, about Arsenal doing the very same thing against them mm-hmm. on Sunday, which was quite the, what, quite the team amazing. with the most uh, that you know spends the ball the ball in in play for the most is is Man City, believe it or not. Um, uh, so yes, then second were Liverpool, third were Leicester City, surprisingly, fourth so West Ham. Is, this, is hmm? this actual? Is this the stats are definitive that these teams are actually wasting time? Yes. Or is yeah, the yeah. Fact that yeah. This is how long the ball's in play for during their games. No, it was it was a study uh, of of the you know the whole season so far. Well, and provided the Daily Mail, the Daily Mail haven't told us a load of lies. That's where I got it from, anyway. So, but when, but when you say, yeah, oh, when you say, heaven forbid, eighty, So when you actually say that uh, that Leicester are the fourth team that have kept the ball in play yeah. for the longest period of time, that mm-hmm. shows the quality they've got, but they just can't seem to defend. Yeah, they could do with chucking it out into the crowd a bit more often. Then we can see the <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You need to start wasting a bit more time. Yeah. <laughs> well, United were uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Anyway, so not too bad. Anyway, gentlemen, we've uh, reached the end of time. I'm afraid. So, once again, thank you very much for joining us and giving us your forthright views, Mr. Paul Thorpe. Thank you, sir. Absolute pleasure. Take care. And you, mate, Steve. Thank you very much for coming on. No, no problems, Paul. Catch you later. Yeah. And Rick, of course. Thanks for you, mate. Keep the end up. No problem. Good. No problem. And until next week on Football Bloody Hell, it's Cheerio for now.
you've been listening to Football Bloody Hell here on Three Valleys Radio. <laughs>